بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم الحمد للہ جو نائٹ از دا ٹویلتھ آف فیبروری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی فور that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the noble companion, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, radiyallahu. So the next section entitled, Migration to Abyssinia. As hostilities grew between the two opposing camps, our beloved Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, out of sympathy and mercy and other reasons, allowed some of his noble companions عنهم, to migrate to the land of Abyssinia where they lived a just king. Our beloved mother Sayyidah Umm Salama عنهم, she relates that her illustrious husband وسلم, had said to the companions who were going to migrate there the land of Abyssinia has a king who does not oppress anyone in his kingdom. Go to his land and stay there until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates an escape for you from your suffering. Recorded in Ibn Ishaq, Al-Bidayah, volume 3, page 72, Hayat al-Sahab, volume 1, page 580 of the New English Translation. So, the persecutions began. I mentioned the tortures of Sayyidina Bilal, radiyallahu, and others. So, the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he told the companions to migrate, where they could worship in peace. And he mentioned a specific land, Aid Abyssinia, which is modern-day Ethiopia. And he goes, there's a king there and he does not oppress anyone. So this is another miracle of the Prophet Because if he had, that would have negated the statement of the Prophet But ultimately, it came true. Thus, in the fifth year of the Prophethood, it is related that with Uthman ibn Affan paving the way, radiyallahu, twelve men and four women, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum, made this first hijrah to Abyssinia. I refer to ibn Ishaq, ibn Hisham in his seerah, page 158 of the New English Translation, somebody in his tarikh, 1-547, ibn Kathir seerah, volume 2, page 2 of the English Translation, amongst whom were Sayyidina Mus'ab ibn Umar, Sayyidina Abdul Rahman ibn Awf, Sayyidina Zubair, Sayyidina Uthman ibn Maz'un, Sayyidina Abu Salama, and his wife Sayyida Umm Salama, etc. So this is the first migration that took place. It was the fifth year of the prophethood. So Rasulullah was 45 years of age, and there was only 16 or so noble souls that migrated. And the Prophet's son-in-law himself, Uthman ibn Affan, paved the way. And amongst them were some of the ten promised paradise and the elite. It is important to note, this should not be confused with the second hijrah to Abyssinia, i.e. which took place within a year or so later, in which now 102 noble souls, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, migrated, 19 of whom were women. 
I refer to Ibn Sa'd in his Tabakat, 1-207, Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Katil Sira, volume 2, page 3 of the English translation. It was amongst these noble souls that Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud and his brother Abdullah, uh, Utbah Ibn Mas'ud had left, amongst whom was also Sayyidina Ja'far and his blessed family. So there was two migrations. Possibly it could have happened in the same year. But certainly it was the next year, if not that same year. In the first batch, 16 noble souls migrated, headed by Uthman Allah, And in the second, 102, 19 of whom were women. And amongst these were, of course, Sayyidina Jafar, the famous ambassador. Allah. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud who clarified with regards to the second hijrah. Rasulullah sent us to Najashi and we numbered about 80 men amongst whom they were myself Ja'far, Abdullah ibn Urfuta, Uthman ibn Maz'un and Abu Musa al-Ashri This is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad number 4400 Tabarani in his Delay al 2-298 Abu Dawood al-Tayalisi number 346 Fattal Bari, Volume 7, page 130, Sahih. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, Volume 6, page 24. Ibn Kathir Sira, Volume 2, page 5, stated strong. Ayat al-Sahaba, Volume 1, page 588 of the New English Translation. So, again, Abdullah ibn Masood confirmed that he was amongst the second batch to I to migrate. Upon this second migration, the Quraysh chieftains immediately held a council of war and how to now bring these renegades back so as not to allow them to spread their poison elsewhere so why were they so concerned the unbelievers so obviously most of the family have now migrated there was hardly any family who hasn't one of the family members have not migrated secondly they were afraid that another base could be established and if another base could be established, it would eventually come back to bite them. And of course, their trade routes were involved. So there were many reasons. So they thought, how are we going to bring these renegades back? They decided to send two capable men as emissaries to fulfill this delicate task. Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As, and Abdullah ibn Abi Rabi'ah. So who did they appoint? So they thought we need somebody capable, strong, and instantly they thought of Amr ibn al-As. So how old was he at the time? He was about coming to the 50th year of his life. And another personality called Abdullah ibn Abi Rabi'ah. So this indicates how highly the Quraysh respected Amr. <laughs> they were sending him on this delicate mission I to bring their family members back. So what happened? So in Ibn Ishaq, Al-Bidaya, volume 3, page 72, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 5, and 1 to 3 of the New English Translation, our beloved mother, Sayyidah Umm Salama, radiyallahu she said, We therefore left in several groups until a number of us had gathered there, i.e. from the first and second migrations, we settled in a nice place with good neighbors 
where we could peacefully practice our religion without fearing any oppression. However, when the Quraysh heard that we had found a safe haven, this displeased them immensely. They therefore decided to send a delegation to An-Najashi to have his removed from his land and return to them. The persons they sent were Amr ibn al-As and Abdullah ibn Abi Rabi'ah. So now what's interesting, I mentioned it many times, which family member of Amr had migrated to Abyssinia? Hisham, his younger brother, Hisham ibn al-As So Amr, don't get this impression that there was nobody there really who was very close to him. You think maybe they were just his cousins. They were immediate family members there. So this is very interesting that Amr is sent and now his own brother's there. So our mother continued. They also collected many gifts for An-Najashi, Rahmatullah and for his generals. Indeed, there was not a person for whom they did not have a gift that was exclusively for him. So like you say, buttering them up. So all the top you know, advisors, they personally gave them a gift each. They didn't leave anybody out. The two men thereupon left and eventually upon arrival gave every general his gift and spoke to them. They then said, We have come to your king concerning some fools from our people who have abandoned the religion of their people and have not even embraced your religion. Their people have sent us to talk with you so that the king should send them back to us. When we speak to the king, we would appreciate it if you could advise him to do this. So look how intelligent the plan butter up the advisors, give them the gifts, and then look how beautifully they, you know, put their case forward. They simply said, fools have left. They haven't even embraced your religion. They're not Christians. They have abandoned our religion. And if you could speak to the king on our behalf, we would appreciate it. All of the generals agreed to comply because we will do this. The two envoys were then given an audience with An-Najashi. They went to him and then they gave him his gifts. The gift An-Najashi loved the most was the leather of Makkah. After giving him the gifts, they thereupon said, O king, some foolish youngsters from our people have forsaken the religion of their people and have not even embraced your religion. They have fabricated a religion that is strange to us and have sought asylum in your land. Their parents, uncles, tribes and people have sent us to bring them back for they know them best. Indeed, they are a people who will not enter into your religion. Thus, you need not keep them here. So what happened? They gave the gifts. It wasn't just leather. He loved leather of Makkah, which is interesting. But they gave lots of gifts to Najashi. And then they said virtually the same what they said to the generals. Because they're not, they have not become Christians. 
everybody is talking against them. Their own family know them best because there's no need for you to keep them here. An-Najashi, rahmatullah he became angry. And he said, never, by the life of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I shall never send them back to their people until I have called them, spoken to them, and looked into the matter. They are a people who have sought asylum in my land and chosen to be my neighbors rather than that of others. I, thus, they have shown me honor and I will certainly grant them a hearing. But if they are as you claim, I shall return them. But if they are not like you say, I shall keep them here. I shall not come in between them and their people by returning them. Neither shall give their people the pleasure of having them back. <laughs> so what happened? And Najashi, because the Prophet knew Revelation, he's a just king. He goes, they have come, they could have gone anywhere. <laughs> he goes, they have come to me and this is their honor. They've shown honor to me. And he goes, do you think I'm not even going to give them a hearing? <laughs> he goes, I will listen to them. And if I agree, and they are, as you say, they can return. If not, because they are welcome to stay. Mm. He then called for the Muslims. When the Muslims, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum, arrived, they greeted him with salam without prostrating before him. So, An-Najashi, rahmatullahi he said, O people, inform me why you have not greeted me by prostrating as the others from your people have greeted me when they arrived. So Amr ibn al-As and Abdullah ibn Rabi had prostrated him. That was the way of greeting the kings. And what's interesting, that was allowed in the previous shariats. The Prophet said it was allowed as a token of respect, but not in this uh, final dispensation. So the king said, why didn't you prostrate to me? Like your people. Sayyidina Ja'far radiyallahu said, Regarding the greeting, Rasulullah has informed us that the greetings of the people of paradise is the salam, and he has commanded us to greet in this manner. It is therefore with the same greeting we use between ourselves that we have greeted you. So Ja'afar was made the spokesman, which is interesting, Banu Hashim, because he was closest family member to the Prophet. And he said, we give salam because this is the greeting of the people of paradise. Our Prophet taught us this. And we are greeting you with that honorable greeting. So, this is one report. In another report, it adds details. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, Radiyallahu, Jafar replied, we prostrate only before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Najashi thereupon asked, what is all this about? Ja'far radiyallahu said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent to us a messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa who commanded us not to prostrate before anyone except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad, number 4400, Tabarani, Behaki in his Delay al-Nubu'a 2-298, Abu Dawud al-Tayadasi, number 346, Fatt al-Badi, volume 7, page 130, Sahih, al-Hetami in Majma al-Zawaid, volume 6, page 24, Ibn Kathir Sira, volume 2, page 5, stated authentic. Ayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 588 of the New English Translation. 
So Ibn Masood, who was one of them, obviously, he said that Jafar said, I, we only prostrate before the Lord. And Najashi goes, what's this? Then he mentioned the Prophet ﷺ gave the command. In another narration, our beloved mother Sayyidah Umm Salama radiyallahu she further related. And Najashi, rahmatullah he called his priests who were sitting around him with the pages of their scriptures open when the Muslims arrived. So what's happened? And Najashi realized that this is a new religion and he needed his priestly, his clergy. And he goes, like you say, get, be prepared, listen to what they're going to say and make notes. The Muslims arrived. So picture the scenes. Imagine they come and they're seeing the king and they're seeing the priests with their scriptures. And of course, Amr and Abdullah ibn Rabia there as well. And Najashi rahmatullah thereupon said, What is this religion with which you have separated from your people? And for which you will neither embrace my religion nor the religion of any other nation. So what, what an excellent question. <laughs> he goes straight to the point. Because you don't want to become Christians. You've left your own father's religions and you will not leave any religion for this. What is this? <laughs> the spokesman for the Muslims was Ja'far ibn Abu Talib. He responded. And the scholars... They say this is the memorable address. <laughs> Meaning, it's such a beautiful description of Islam. You know, people say, what is Islam? And they come out with their own bayans. You know, it's right? And we don't need your bayans. This is such a beautiful description of what Islam is. And it's called the memorable address. So Jafar, what did he say? Allah. O King, we were a nation steeped in ignorance. We worshipped idols. We ate dead meat. We perpetrated acts of immorality. We severed family ties. We behaved badly towards our neighbours. And the strong amongst us lived off the weak. We were in this pathetic condition. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent his messenger وسلم, who was from amongst us we were well aware of his lineage his truthfulness his honesty and his pure behavior. He called us to believe in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to forsake stones and idols that we and our forefathers worship other than Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. He enjoined us to always speak the truth, to return trusts, to maintain family ties, to behave well with our neighbors, and to abstain from unlawful things and from spilling people's blood. He وسلم, has forbidden us from immoral behavior from giving false witness, from usurping the wealth of orphans, and from slandering pure women. He وسلم, has also commanded us to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without ascribing partners to him, and to establish the salah and pay the zakat. As Ja'far enumerated the injunctions of Islam, 
the other Muslims confirm what he said. Mm. So look how beautiful Jafar is speaking, giving this memorable address, radiallah. And the other companions, they're nodding in approval because <laughs> they were looking at the others and they were, they were nodding, saying, what he's saying is true. <laughs> then Jafar said, radiallah, so we believed in him, sallallahu alayhi wa and followed whatever he brought us. We worship the one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without ascribing partners to him. We also regarded as forbidden all those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made forbidden for us. Just as we regarded as permissible all those things he has made permissible for us. However, our people became our enemies. They started torturing us and putting us through many difficulties because of our religion. So that we should revert to worshipping idols instead of worshipping Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. They wanted us to regard the many vices as lawful, which we used to regard as lawful in the past. When their high-handedness and oppression became too much for us, and became an obstacle between us and our religion, we left for your land. O king, we preferred you over others, and preferred to be your neighbors, hoping that we will not be oppressed by you. Subhanallah. An Najashi listened attentively. Rahmatullah. He then paused. He thereupon asked, Do you know anything that has been revealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Jafar radiallahu said, Yes, indeed, O king. An Najashi rahmatullah said, Please recite. Sayyidina Jafar radiyallahu thereupon recited before him the opening verses of Surah Maryam radiyallahu Why? Stop in the report. The wisdom in the selection of the holy passages which talks about Zakaria, Yahya, Maryam and Isa mm. So look at the wisdom of Jafar. He wanted to recite the most appropriate passage Surah Maryam. When An-Najashi heard this recital, he wept until his beard was soaked with tears. When the priests heard the recital, they also started to weep until their scriptures were soaked with tears. Subhanallah. So imagine, he's in that memorable address. He's reciting Surah Maryam. An-Najashi is moved to tears. And even the priests, they were not just shedding one or two tears, their scripture became wet. And Najashi thereupon said, I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this and the words that came to Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam, emerged from the same land. Then turning to the two envoys, Amr ibn al-As and Abdullah ibn Rabia, he said, you may leave. Because I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I will never hand them over to you and will never consider doing so for even a moment. Subhanallah. So where is all this recorded? This is recorded in Ahmad in his Musnad, Behaqi volume 9, page 9, Abu Nu'aym al-Hidiyah, al-Haythami in Majma al-Zawaid, volume 6, page 27. He comments upon the chain of narrators. Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 584 to 5 of the New English Translation. So... 
Amr was outwitted. <laughs> and Jafar you know, basically finished him off. Now what's incredible is, look how Jafar turned the tables. <laughs> Amr was thinking, I'm going to corner them. <laughs> I'm going to sweeten the generals up, sweeten the king up, come out with you know, his eloquence and his brilliance that he's known for. He goes, game over. <laughs> Jafar not only undid that, he now gave Dawat. Think about that. <laughs> you know, he's in the presence of the king of Abyssinia. Now is the time to give Dawat. He's asking him, did he be around the bush? You know, people give bayan sometimes. They think, what's the message? He talked for half an hour. Well, I don't know. He started with leather socks and he ended up with what's happening in Bosnia, right? So notice Jafar, his blueprint. He goes, get to the point. And then he didn't recite the Quran, that's interesting. When Najashi, because he knew he was a Christian, he goes, anything, tell us what's been revealed to your prophet. And again, wisdom. Imagine if he was one of us. Right? Imagine, right? What else do you know? Then he don't even know what he means. He goes, well, what does that mean then? Right? He's in Surah Maryam. So you need an ideal person to be there who's got wisdom and hikmah. He looks at the person he's talking to and he recites the appropriate passages. Did it have an effect? 110%. It moved them to tears. And look what Najashi said. This shows he was a pure man. He goes, I swear to God, this and the words that came to Musa emerged from the same land, meaning it's the same. It sounds the same. Then, imagine Amr thinking, oh no. Najashi tells to Amr and Abdullah ibn Rabia, he goes, leave. I swear to God, I will never hand them over to you. And I will never consider doing so for even a moment. So, this was stage one. But Amr radiyallahu, he's the fox. And you're thinking at this point, you know, you know, just admit defeat and leave. But the Quraysh had chosen very well and they knew that if anybody could bring them back, it was Amr. But there's another part which I'll mention uh, tomorrow, inshallah. So what I mentioned today was now the migration to Abyssinia, giving you the nuts and bolts, nothing too deep. I there was two within a year or so of migrations. And then, of course, I mentioned a few of the blessed names. And then the details with regards to what the plan of attack was from the unbelievers and how this was nullified by Sayyidina Ja'far radiallahu and Ja'far in case you're wondering Ja'far radiallahu he was 10 years older than Ali so he was uh, at the time around maybe mid around 40 years of age radiallahu are there any questions you Subhanallah <laughs>